0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. And Rex, I think I still have about an inch of water in my shoes. What a messy, sloppy, ugly day here at Oak Hill. The only beautiful thing that happened on the Saturday, and no, it was not getting to spend three or four hours on the golf course with my dad. It was that 66, second consecutive 66 from Brooks Kepke. He is your 54-hole leader at this PGA Championship, just as he was five weeks ago at the Masters. What are your initial impressions of what unfolded here in the third round?
1: You actually took a lot of slings and arrows today for all the folks who did not who do not like Rochester, and you have become the whipping boy on this front. and And I do feel bad for you, but uh, it was muddy, it was nasty, it was not a pleasant day. It was cold. That might be, I mean, uh, Tommy Fleetwood came in about two hours before you got there, which is drinking uh, Tommy Fleetwood came in about two hours before Brooks Koepka with a 68 and was gushing about how good that was in those conditions. And for Brooks, now it got a little bit easier, marginally, not, not a lot easier in the afternoon. There were still some squalls that came through uh, a 66 under those conditions with that position on the leaderboard. It was very it was clinical almost. He had one bogey on the round uh, three birdies on the backside it this is the brooks that we remembered i think i referred to him and i think claude Harmon referred to him as brooks 2.0 last night but this looks like the original version this is the one that just gets it and it's you know just holds on and pulls it away from everyone else and he's just bigger stronger faster than everyone else
0: i said it yesterday on the podcast i'll reiterate it again on saturday night this is essentially a pga championship that is disguised as like a U.S. Open. Like there's nothing that differentiates those two other than the name. You have narrow fairways, you have thick, juicy rough, you have very fast greens. Like this is exactly the sort of test which, with Book Kepka, has has, has 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 basically separated himself from the rest of the golf universe. In these sorts of tests, he has the discipline that other players don't have. He has the course management, along with he and caddy Ricky out that other players don't have he has the precision and the execution to be able to pull off the shot that he is looking for and so i can't say i'm totally surprised you know brooks kepke has, has never been a player who can win a shootout right or a, or a runaway he's not going to win tournaments that are 15 20 under par but he is going to factor in almost every single time you have a winning score between 5 and 9 under par like this is the sort of test that he is he excels in and back to back rounds of 66 I mean, this is this is tailor-made vintage Brooks Kepka stuff.
1: I asked him after the round specifically uh, about th- how do you compare this to Beth Page, of course, when he won there just a few years ago, and it was very close. I mean, there's a lot of of the similar feels that we talked about, sort of, right? Like he loves the crowds, he loves sort of that edgy. Other than New like York the eight-shot spe- lead, uh, other than the eight-shot league, but just everything about the way his game feels, the way he feels, he's in full flight. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think the the part that maybe has gotten overlooked in all this. And, again, I was talking with Claude Harmon. I I don't think we can quantify how much the injuries impacted him. Like, it's easy to sort of dismiss the last few years of Brooks' career and just, oh, he played bad. Like, just look, he just wasn't himself. And in this particular case, and I guess you could apply it to Tiger Woods and and other of these great athletes who get hurt in their prime, and you suddenly can't understand how it impacts their play to the point – that it drove him to live golf. Like I think we talked about this last night, the idea and the Netflix special that at 30 something years old, he thought he was washed after doing what he did to major championship fields for that stretch for that two, two and a half year stretch. And then suddenly, nope, I'm done. I, I don't think you can quantify how far he has come really in the last year. Because if you think about it, according to Claude, about this time last year, this is when he started toying with the idea of live golf. And is this something I want? Is this something that I need to do for my career? So in pretty much a year, he's gone from that—that that I, I need to find some sort of payout—to back to essentially where he was when he started.
0: And it all stems just for the desire, the need, the motivation, um, the competitive reality that he needed to get healthy. It, it, it all stems from being yeah. healthy. I think that's that's kind of like Brooks Kepka's ethos, isn't it? Like he's he's he said he you know famously five or six years ago he doesn't practice between before regular season tournaments, because it's all about major championships. He says, I've been, you know, I've been playing golf for 25 years. Why do I need to continually hit balls? Like he's always kind of had that sort of attitude. And so just getting his knee to a spot where it didn't look like a softball where, where it didn't hurt to get out of bed. You know, he was, if, if he was able to push himself in the gym, if he was able to log the the time on the range, if he was actually able to play tournaments leading into major championships, like, yeah, I played golf my entire life. I have a, a A body of work, a resume uh, that shows that I'm a best, uh, one of the best players in my generation. It all stems from the need and the desire to get healthy. Now that he is, you know, I don't think Bruce Kepkis ever is going to get to a point where he is 100% healthy again. That's just the reality uh, and what he faces. I think he's like 33 years old, but this version is pretty damn good, right? Like back to back major championships now where in punishing conditions where he has to play the most clinical calculated golf he's he's rising to the challenge
1: how those socks feel
0: nice and squishy and cold muddy yep this is the third pair of socks rex that i have slipped into uh so yes it is going to be a very long day uh, i look forward to you writing from home because i will be suffering from pneumonia uh, on sunday night and unable to rate to, to write this game story brooks Kappa does rex have a one-shot lead over victor hovlin who turned in a 70 after bogeying uh, the 18th hole on saturday night as well as uh, Corey Connors, uh, who is also in the house at five under par, a a crushing double bogey on the 16th hole, took him out of the solo lead. Yeah, that was strange. Then you have Bryson DeChambeau, two shots further back, three shots overall back. Boy, Scotty Scheffler, you and I both picked him to win this golf tournament. He looked terrible for the first seven holes. On Saturday, yes, that was the four worst over. of the conditions. Yes, everyone was kind of hanging on a little bit before over over his first seven holes. Actually, could have been worse. He actually, if you guys have not seen this highlight, he skipped a ball through the creek on the seventh hole. Actually, could have been a double bogey or worse. There, did that rate as the biggest surprise? I actually thought Scotty did well to hang in there, Rex. He shot one under. Uh, for his remaining 11 holes is just four shots back. That's not out of the realm of possibility so he could mount a Sunday charge of what is supposed to be a much better uh, scoring conditions on Sunday.
1: Uh, He did pull it around, and you're right. He's right there. I think you and I had the conversation running from the parking lot to here to do the podcast that, look, it was impressive what Brooks did, and we can all marvel at how far he has come, and and it looks like this is the guy that used to beat everyone up at the major championships and break them over their knee. However, go back to the lad; You only have to look at recent history. To realize that, oh well, he doesn't necessarily get it done every time. He didn't get it done mm. at the Masters, and there's probably still going to be, I don't know, how much anything is in the back of his mind. But I'm sure the fact that he has talked very, very openly about the idea of that hurt. I think the word that Claude Harmon used. But he hasn't said
0: he hasn't said what he learned. He's been asked three <laughs> times, including by included by me here on Sunday night. What lessons did you draw from that? He said it took him a couple days right to process it. What did you learn from that? And all he said was that he needed to change his mindset heading into the final round. But he never said what his mindset was. Uh, what was your according mindset? To Cla- well, according to Claude, uh,
1: yeah, that, that's a good point. I think one of the things that he did learn, and I did this report last night on from, is the idea that he wanted to be there again. And I think that is pretty telling that uh, there was the concept, there was the idea that all these guys who joined Live Golf just wanted to take the bag. They just wanted to take the money and that they weren't worried about winning major championships anymore. And I think that proved, if anything else, just to himself that, oh, yeah, I really, really like this. And when I'm in this position, it brings out the best in me. And so if, if nothing else, and they say that players learn more from defeat than they do victory, and this will be a good test tomorrow. What did you learn? From Augusta National, my guess is if he wins tomorrow, you'll get a much better answer when he sits down, and you'll probably ask him again of exactly what it is he figured out at, at the Masters. Uh,
0: he does have some some scar tissue, right? Like it's sure. he 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 coughed up a big lead at Bethpage. That was his last major championship back in the 2019 PGA. He didn't get it done against Gary Woodland. Remember, like he was a very slow starter uh, on that Sunday. Everyone thought that he was going to overtake him and win his third consecutive U.S. Open. Uh, 2020, I'm trying to think back, uh, the PGA Championship. Remember, he called out all the players at the top of the leaderboard. They haven't done exactly what I did. And yeah. then he fell apart. I think he shot like 74, 76 on the final day. He, he he stared down Phil Mickelson, literally head-to-head, against 50-year-old Phil Mickelson at Kiowa Island and got absolutely dusted. And then he got boat raced, quite frankly, by John Rahm uh, during the marathon Sunday at Augusta National. He has not been the bulletproof closer that I think he had the reputation for being from 2016 to early parts of 2019 he, he's he's going to have to overcome i think his own doubts his own memories um his his own his own feelings like it's been it's it's, it's been a while since he's been on the back nine with a serious chance to win that did, that did not happen at augusta national by that point he'd kind of blown himself out of the tournament and was watching just as everyone else was, as, as John Rahm was having his coordination. So there, I think it's going to be a fraught Sunday, not just for Brooks Kepka, but also Victor Hovland, Corey Connors, uh, who are trying to win the first major championship, and Bryson DeChambeau, who's three shots back, trying to rediscover his old feelings as well.
1: Okay, then from that logic, let's play the what-if game. So if it's not going to be Brooks Kepka, and I think both of us, if we had, had to sit down tonight and do a pick, I would pick Brooks at, at least. Yes. But if it's not would, going to be, then – then fill in the blank.
0: Uh, um, <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that was going to be so hard. I think I would take Victor Hovland. Um, I understand the reservations when it comes to Victor Hovland, and we, and we dug into it right on, on Friday night. The last two major championships, this is now the 11th consecutive round in a major in which he's been inside the top 10. And yet, boy, the memories of St. Andrews, Come back to me with the 74 and what was benign can scoring conditions. Obviously, we saw what Cam Smith did with the 64 uh, to win the Claret jug there. You think back to the Masters just five weeks ago, uh, another 74 when he played in the penultimate group on Sunday. There it has to be at least some semblance of doubt of whether I could do it. Yes, he's he has won PGA Tour events. Yes, he's won PGA uh, Big tournaments across the pond. Yes, he's played in the Ryder Cup and did okay in that setting. He hasn't, he hasn't done a major championship yet. He has not necessarily gotten his heart broken on the second nine. He's, he's Are you trying out, to talk me of, into kind of Victor
1: Hovland or trying to talk yourself into Victor Hovland? Cause it's, I think I'm trying to talk myself
0: a... into – your, your okay. question was, if not Brooks, whom? I think yes. Victor Hovland is the most likely. I mean, you look at what he's done statistically – at least, I mean, he's gaining almost 11 shots in the field with his approach play. Like it's been absolutely clinical. You, you, you made the you made that the very apt comparison yesterday between Corey Connors and Jason Dubner, the last winner here at Oak Hill. Uh, I mean, what Victor Hovland is doing is duff yeah. and esque in terms of sharp shooting uh, and absolutely knocking down the flag sticks. If that continues, if he hits 14, 15 greens on Sunday, he's going to be very hard to dismiss. You just wonder. Can he pull off the shot that he needs to? Because he does not necessarily have that track record of doing that in big tournaments.
1: Pulling off the shot when he needs to. And again, he has one on tour, but nowhere that's not a tropical island. Uh, <clears throat> I
0: think the bigger and this, question. And this, is, and this is anything but, I, I promise. Anything but.
1: Uh, I mean, my my issue with him is his short game, as we talked about last night. And so I'm going to go another way. However, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this because what I want to do is go Corey Connors, but I'm not quite sure if you're going to let me walk out of here if I pick Corey Connors as the winner. If it's not Brooks Koepka, Corey Connors correct. had one bad hole. I mean, if you look at the scorecard, he had one bad hole. He got very
0: unlucky. He didn't drop a shot the entire day, but he but he did he did blade that bunker shot like that was not that was not a well played bunker shot, and, he, it, and he it was not.
1: And he's going to need some help. And I don't know at this point if Brooks is is inclined to, to offer any help whatsoever. I just think he has played so well. I mean, you watched it. I mean, for the better part of 15 holes today, you were looking at it's the leaderboard with nothing, with nothing but aggravation in, in your eyes. Like every time he would hit a perfect iron shot or a perfect drive or make the three-footer for par, you would just roll your eyes. And I think that's what we're going to get more of tomorrow. It's so, not because but, we don't
0: like Corey Connors. It's just because we don't no. want to write Corey Connors.
1: Exactly. He's not he's not the most exciting fellow to talk about. Although I I think you can piece something together. I think it is kind I talked to Taylor Pendrith, who was his teammate at Kent State, who they lived together, they're best men in each other's wedding. And he kind of walked me through the same thing that we touched on last night. Like this was the perfect course for him. It still is the perfect course for him. He didn't know he didn't see my tweet from yesterday, but when I told him about it, he goes, Yeah, exactly. He goes that like that he, if there is a profile for this particular golf course, and he talked about it with Corey. I mean, they knew coming into this this tournament what he was supposed to do i just don't know if he if he goes out and shoots a 68 which i think is very very doable that means that brooks is going to have to come backwards and i don't know if he's going to do that but if you make me fill in the hole it's going if you make me fill in the blank it's going to be cory Connors.
0: the only thing that makes me nervous about Corey connors is the fact that he is a world-class ball striker who uh tends to struggle like there's he has he has a resume to prove that he tends to struggle on and around the green. So if you look at his stats, about the first 54 holes here at Oak Hill, he has struck his has struck the ball as well as he typically does. And each and every round he has played, he has gotten worse on the greens. He has regressed closer and closer to the mean. Now, what has he done in these last three rounds? Well, he's inserted himself into the conversation. The fact that he's putting worse, the better his position on the leaderboard gets the uh, leads bit to believe that that might not necessarily be sustainable on Sunday. I cannot believe we've gone this far, Rex, and not mentioned Roy McIlroy, who once again, we've been criticizing this guy for years for being soft, for retreating when the moment gets the biggest. It's the reason why he's not won a major championship in nine years. And yet back-to-back rounds of 69 back-to-back days in which he could have let a round get away from him. Instead, he battled back. Five shots back. Justin Thomas, remember, last year at the PGA Championship equaled tournament record for largest 54-hole comeback with seven shots. Do you believe there's only six players ahead of him on the leaderboard?
1: Only six, but it's the guy that he's got to catch. I mean, seven shots. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, five shots. That, that seems like so much ground he has to make up against a player that is clearly playing well. I mean, look, Bruce Kepka shot a final round, 75 at the Masters. So it's in his DNA right now. It's, it's If you look at his recent history, it's certainly in his wheelhouse. However, he's not looking like he's going to do that. The one thing I took from Rory's round, and more so than anything else since the Masters, and it hasn't been great. We talked about it last time on the podcast. He hasn't seemed to have sort of that gear that wants to come back. Forget about the what you're drinking. Forget about that gear that, that can come back. There it is, another sip. Does he... He doesn't seem to want to come back when he puts himself in a bad position. And I asked him point blank, he bogeyed six, he bogeyed eight, he bogeyed nine. In the worst of the weather, it's a very, very difficult part on the golf course. The sixth hole here might be the toughest golf hole in major championship history. I mean, it is just a bear of a hole. So he plays that four hole stretch in three over par. And I asked him what his mindset was. And he kind of walked me through every hole and then shrugged. And he goes, Look, I wish I would have played it in two over because I, I knew it was going to be a tough stretch. I knew the conditions were hard. He goes, But I kind of knew it was coming, and then you look at how he answered. He played two under on the back nine. He was solid, got himself to the house under par, still gave himself a chance. I don't know that he can get it done, but I think there's a lot of momentum and a lot of positives he can take from that.
0: Uh, there's certainly a lot of positives. I have a hard time concocting a scenario in my mind in which Roy McIlroy would win this golf tournament. Look at the I caliber mean, of players who's ahead of him. He shoots sixty
1: six and Bruce shoots
0: seventy five.
1: I mean, you can concoct a scenario, but it's hard to but then you're, it's hard to believe. But,
0: but then you are saying Victor Hovland, Corey Connors, Bryson Shambo, Justin Rose, Scottie Shuffler, many of the many of whom have already won a major championship, are not going to shrink from the. Mo- you are saying all of those players are going to do the exact same thing and just kind of spin the wheels. It's 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 highly it's highly unlikely. That's not to say that this has not been an encouraging performance for Roy McIlroy because I think it has, especially considering where he has been hitting his driver. Ah, uh, to to be in seventh place after fifty-four holes, I think, is very encouraging. It's no, I I I do not see that on on Sunday. I, I really don't. We have not mentioned Bryson DeChambeau. Do you not believe in Bryson Rex? Three shots back.
1: Uh no, I do not believe in Bryson because since the opening round, which he was solid in the opening round with a sixty-six, he's one over par for the week, and I didn't see anything particularly. That ain't bad. He's fourth. Stop. He's in fourth place. No, no, it's not bad, and and look, you pointed out, I think he had his best finish this season on the Live Tour last week, so clearly it seems like he's trending in the right direction. I think there's still a lot of holes in the game, and those sort of came to fruition today early is what kind of got you. He, he started sort of backpedaling early in his round. He double bogeyed the sixth. Again, hardest hole in major championship golf in my opinion, but I, I don't see him, again, for him or anyone behind Brooks Koepka to do it, you're looking at a 66 or a 65 at the very least. And on this golf course, even under Demar's conditions, which are going to be
0: much much better, I still don't think that he's got that in him. So if I'm ranking, Rex, If I'm ranking the most likely players to win, I'm doing Brooks, I'm doing Hovland, and I'm doing Bryson, and then Scotty. The reason for Bryson, if he has okay. an on, if he has an on day with his driver, and he drove it exceptionally well on both uh, Friday. Uh, and Thursday, you no, know, he hit at least nine nine fairway nine of fourteen fairways in each of those two rounds. If he gets it grooving with the driver, he's just going to have birdie opportunities that the other players are not. It's quite simple. And he he did not play the par fives particularly well uh, here on Saturday. He made par on four. Uh, he actually dropped his shot on thirteen after an errant drive and then an errant layup as well. He made a double bogey on the sixth hole. If he has that thing grooved, I mean he's he's got. 9-10 birdie opportunities when I think a lot of players will be very happy with, with 4 or 5 realistic opportunities it's not other realm of possibilities that he can get hot and, and drop a 67 on him
1: uh, I don't, I'm not too far off on that list I mean obviously I'm going to go Brooks and then I just gave a reason why I'm going to go Corey Connors and just for no other reason I mean you pointed out some good things if he gets the driver going it is such a good weapon on this golf course which is still going to be wet tomorrow it's sort of hard to ignore but beyond that he's just in a better position than Scotty. he's one stroke better that means that in theory he'd have to do, he'd have to throw out one less birdie. So I would probably put Bryson next and then Scottie fourth, like you.
0: What are you writing uh, on Saturday night that the folks can check out on GolfChannel.com?
1: Kind of touching on what we all what we did here. I, I think tomorrow is going to be an interesting dynamic because you have a, a couple different things at play here, right? You have Brooks Kepka and which Brooks are we going to get? We're going to get 1.0 point zero. We're going to get 2.0? tomorrow because 2.0 shot 75 in the final round of the masters and didn't get it done and and was devastated and all of those things 1.0 would go out and just break the field over his knee he would just
0: look more like 1.0
1: i don't even know if that's the case i think 2.0 just needs to evolve i think it took brooks a little while to get to where he was when he was winning those four out of eight majors just mentally physically everything that made him sort of that super player let's call him And after everything he's been through, I think it's perfectly understandable that he's still on the upward curve if you're looking at the bell curve. So I I do want to see that. I do think there's some other elements here. And this goes back to what we talked about at the Masters. Right now you have two live players that are inside the top four. And the idea that a live player could win this still sort of resonates. It's not quite as of a big deal now as it was last month at Augusta National. But I still think it's a big deal.
0: Uh, It certainly is big deal. I'm just struck how great of a major championship player that Brooks Kepka is. I think these last couple of years we've we've forgotten it. But it's 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 not sexy like hitting fairways, finding the right parts of the green, not short-siding yourself, getting back in play if you get out of position, having a tidy short game. Like Brooks Kepka is not a flashy player. He's not Roy McIlroy, he's not Jordan Spieth. He's not he's not going to dazzle you. With any particular aspect of his game, but he just plays such smart, calculating golf. Uh, it's great to have him back in our major championship lives. All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav. We'll be back with on Sunday night with the full recap of the PJ Championship. Until then, keep a lot on GolfChannel.com. All of our news, notes, columns, and features you can catch us all there. We'll be back tomorrow night, Rex. I bid you farewell. Good luck in your last live from Hit. Safe travels back. And congrats your youngest son and his graduation. I will hold down the fort. Here for golfchannel.com, The Lone Survivor.